0: Gentlemen, welcome to the evening Joe. Been a lot going on this week. I'll answer your questions about a lot of the lots that's going on. Not entirely all about me, but you know, some of it's about me. But anyway, um. So I went out this weekend, right? I don't really do like a whole lot of bar stuff, you know, because I don't drink. So I went out, uh, my best friend from growing up was in town. So we went out to this spot. He knew, uh, he knew a cat that worked in security there. And so we go to the spot and it's getting close to me, uh, getting ready to roll up out of there. And this dude walks in and from a distance, I'm like, Oh snap. Odell Beckham. Like, I mean, the place was pretty cool. But I'd heard some discussion somewhere about Lenny Dykstra perhaps showing up at the establishment. But I feel like it is a significant jump between uh, Lenny Dykstra and Odell Beckham. And, and by the way, I would like to note that learning that there was a potential that Lenny Dykstra may show up at the spot made me wonder what the hell I was doing with my life. Anyway, um, so – I look and I see Odell Beckham from a distance. I think I see Odell Beckham. That dude gets closer. Ain't no goddamn Odell Beckham. But me thinking that he was Odell Beckham from a distance was absolutely what this gentleman was going for. Like it's not simply that he's got the Odell Beckham steeds. I feel like. He has been rocking with this Odell Beckham steez at least since 2014, and here's why I say that. Thing about Odell Beckham, you notice he got that crazy hair thing that he's doing with the with the side shave and the blonde thing, but you notice that the the hair that he chooses to remain growing that keeps getting longer and longer, right? Like his hair. Last time I saw him was much longer than it was when he first got in the league. And this dude that I saw, his hair that was growing was about the same length as Odell Beckham's. You see what I'm saying? So this dude had to have seen Odell at that point, jumped on the stees and was like, yo, as long as Odell does this, I'm going to do this too. And that's what he's doing. I'd also like to know, by the way, that just something very quickly about the generation that I grew up in and my people in my generation. I'm not at this moment saying this is good. I'm not at this moment saying this is bad. I will say, though, we as black men had about a good. Twenty. Maybe twenty five year run where we wasn't out here dyeing our hair. Like where that was kind of a ridiculous thing to broach. We had, we, we had left the, the, the dying alone. We wasn't doing no bleaching. Now I'm showing up at the spot on Saturday and I'm seeing a man who's riding another man's stage. Now did my man say, and then Cisco happened? Yeah, but Cisco, it wasn't like Cisco sprouted up a whole crop of Cisco's, as I recall. Like, it was just a couple of them. But I don't remember, like, it wasn't like after Cisco did that, the streets was like, yo, I got to go to the barbershop and get the Cisco. I don't recall seeing none of that. None of that at all. But anyway, fake Odell Beckham. So I see fake Odell Beckham, and I immediately try to go to the phone and, like, try to be slick about getting a picture of fake Odell Beckham. And Odell Beckham, or fake Odell Beckham, saw me with the phone in hand, and he didn't look at that camera like I would look if somebody was just trying to take a picture of me, which would be with a level of disgust and perhaps a consideration of trying to snatch that phone up out of his hand. Nah, 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 nah. Fake Odell Beckham, and this is how you know that what he's going for here is being fake Odell Beckham. Fake Odell Beckham looked at that camera like, oh, yeah. Lips and make love to the camera. He was ready. He was like, yes, I try to take pictures with him. Like Fake Odell Beckham is leaving the crib just hoping, hoping, hoping that just one of them going to go for it. And maybe they don't go for it the whole night, but they just go for it. So then after I try every way to try to get this picture of fake Odell Beckham, but I just really honestly wasn't feeling good about myself. Woman walk up in fake Odell Beckham's face and goes, look at this fake Odell Beckham. Yo, just right up to him. Right up in his grill. Look at this fake Odell Beckham. And you know what? And she was like, yo, he was really cool about it. And, of course, he's going to be really cool about it. You can't pretend that you are not fake Odell Beckham when you are so obviously fake Odell Beckham. I like this. Y'all, y'all call him the polo assassin Odell Beckham. The Odell assassin. <laughs> yeah, basically. There's... There's absolutely something to that. So, yeah, I saw fake Odell Beckham at the spot, and I wonder how many fake Odell Beckhams there are. Like, I seen some kids. I saw some kid. I think it was an NABJ, man. This dude walk around there looking like Clay Thompson, but he just, like, actually looked like Clay Thompson. This dude ain't looking like no other Odell Beckham. Like, here's the thing about having a fake Odell Beckham, Steve. Let me tell you who is going to be very quick to recognize that you are not Odell Beckham. The women who really want to sleep with Odell Beckham. You're not about to, like, slide – Even a reasonable facsimile of Odell Beckham passed him. Like, I want you to think about something. Every now and then there's a story that come up in the news about some dude that's going around the town pretending to be, like, a football player. There's a story about this dude who apparently had been going around Pittsburgh saying that he was Ben Roethlisberger, and he had been, like, making it work. And the story was presented, as I read it, really from the perspective of how horrible it was that this man had treated these women like this and that he had deceived them and that he had broken their hearts. And, you know, all of those things are true. All of them. Faye fake Ben Roethlisberger absolutely lied to these women and he should not have lied. To these women. Right. At the same time. If I walk up to somebody right now and they ask me who I am. And I look at them and I say. I am first round NFL draft pick. Saquon Barkley. I should not tell you that I'm Saquon Barkley. That is obviously not true. I know that it is not true that I am not Saquon Barkley. I am being dishonest. But how bad I'm supposed to feel for you in the 21st century with access to all of these tools? How bad I'm supposed to feel for you? I feel like that's a fair question. You know what I'm saying, like, 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 how bad am I supposed to feel for you? But anyway, I saw something once where somebody ran that same con, and he was saying that he was Vince Young. Now, those of you who are attracted to men, I understand that some of you will find Ben Rothersberger attractive. I understand that some of you will find Vince Young attractive, but I've never gotten the impression that those two gentlemen are viewed as, like, being, like, super attractive. You know what I mean? Like, people don't see them as, like, cats, you know, like, GQ-type cats, or whatever it is. Like, they don't really see that. And I, I believe I'm correct on all these fronts. My point being, you might be able to convince women that you're Vince Young if you're not Vince Young. You're not convincing a woman that you're Old Beckham. You're not. They paid more attention to the details. They've gotten to the bottom of it. They know the deal. It ain't you. So, yes, that dude is absolutely fake Odell Beckham. I just don't know how effective it is. Because, like, what happens when you, like, so you dating fake Odell Beckham. And, like, you bring them around your friends you realize as soon as he leaves and as soon as you leave, they all going to be like, yo, that's fake Odell Beckham. Like they all, they all know that they all, they, like, do you really want to do that? That has to dawn on you. Like how long does it take you when fake Odell Beckham tries to highlight you? How long does it take you to get past the fact that he is in fact fake Odell Beckham? I mean, I imagine that, I mean, That feels like something that you can't just, like, forget about. It's fake Odell Beckham. Like, that level of dedication to the Steeves. Like, think about this. Imagine if you, like, met fake Odell Beckham, and then you went over to fake Odell Beckham's house, and you look, and laying on the counter is a pair of wide receiver gloves. Like, you'd be freaked out, right? I feel like you'd be freaked out. So anyway, yeah. That was Fake Odell Beckham. Anyway, let us move on to your questions. So Drake can never give us Tough Guy bars again, right? Oh man, that Drake man—he wound up in a really tough situation here with this uh, the, the, this beef with the pusher. I I, I don't like. You can make an argument that as a participant in a beef that no one believes was going to turn violent, that there isn't anything worse than somebody coming in and throwing in the towel for you. You know, like that's not a, in theory, that is not a good look. Uh, the one thing I say, though, about the idea that Drake can't give tough guy bars anymore. Yeah, Drake can give tough guy bars. He can. And you know the reason why Drake can give tough guy bars? Because if Jay Prince told you that we not putting out the diss track, then you wouldn't put out the diss track neither. Hey, what are you talking about? Like, who knows what Drake had cooked up, right? Um. Jay Prince says he heard the track. J. Prince said it would have altered lives. Okay. I mean, I'm willing to ride that out. I don't see no reason to question the man as of right now. I mean, the man out here right now pushing a book called Respect. Okay. So if that's the story that he's given, nobody is given a contrary story, by the way. Right? We haven't heard anybody say anything that is the opposite of the J. Prince story that we have out here right now. So let's ride this out. But you tell me right now, if you Drake and Jay Prince come out and say, hey, man, you're not putting that track out, what are you going to say? Yes, I am. What? You're not going to do that. No. Isn't that how it works? Everybody's going to move on. Think about this. Pusha T ain't putting out no more tracks. Like, are you telling me that you don't think that Pusha T will want to run the score up on this one? All right. Well, look, I tell you this. Um, people with power have decided that this is going to end. So it's over. It was fun while it lasted. I tell you this, though. i don't seen a lot of people letting jokes fly uh, on the internet about a man that really don't want to be joked about. Like, I don't. I think. Like, J-Prince means something different based on, like, what age group you're in. Because rap lot Records hadn't meant, I mean, what rap lot Records meant 20, 25 years ago is not what rap lot Records means right now, like, two people, I think, nationwide. So, like, the idea of, like, J-Prince being a major player in the game is something that I think some people are, like, new to learn about. This is what I would say to you about Jay Prince. Tell me the last time you heard somebody saying anything publicly ill about that gentleman. Because I really can't think of one. He commands a certain measure of respect. So if that man say that the beef is over, then that means the beef is over. Period. Now, here's the thing, though. The beef is over, but Drake can't, like, I don't feel like Drake can just turn up um, and act like this didn't happen. You know, somebody's like, can Drake roll out his album in June still? Yeah, he probably can roll out his record. I'm just very curious to know strategically how they're going to do it. Like, I mean, This did happen. And also, let us not act as though people don't shake off catching L's in battles all the time. Like, how many people actually had their careers ended in battles? Because according to that logic, Prodigy had his career ended not once, but twice, but bounced back both times. Both times, like so much about my cannabis, LL didn't end cannabis career. Cannabis album ended cannabis career. Like that's how he wound up in that place, but not nah, people shake these off. How many people have obliterated Ice Cube? Obliterated Ice Cube. People talk about Ja Rule. Ja Rule's career didn't end with that. Like Ja Rule's time was probably winding down anyway, but that didn't really end his career. Like he still had hits after that beef. Somebody said only common, man, common lit ice cube up. Hell, be real lit ice cube up. He caught a lot of them, a lot of them. King's son, don't forget about that. As I recall, King son was rolling around LA just looking for the Cube. But yeah, I just want to see how they promote his record. Again, this happened. No one can pretend like it did not happen. You are hiding a child. Yo, I was like, no lie. I was walking down the street uh, in Harlem somewhere. And the song was playing out a window, out a car window. And I couldn't really make the song out, but I heard the song playing. And out of nowhere, it just jumped through the speakers. You are hiding a child. Like, even with that song on, it just flies out of the speakers. Like, damn, dog, that was really, really harsh. Really, really harsh. Appreciate the question. Let me see what we got here. Since it's Prince's birthday, what's one album of his that people should talk about more often? That is an interesting question because I think the answer to this is actually Dirty Mind. Now, if you were to ask most people to name like the Mount Rushmore of Prince albums, they would tell you Purple Rain, 1999, Sign of the Times, and Dirty Mind. However, Dirty Mind doesn't have any hits. It's got classics. Right. But like there is no Little Red Corvette on Dirty Mind. I mean, there isn't even a controversy on Dirty Mind. There's no song on Dirty Mind that you could just throw on at any party and assume that people know what it is. Like not even Uptown, like Uptown's not a song that you can just throw on and be like, OK, people going to know what this is. That's not it. But I mean, number one is the demo tape. Like it's four tracks. You listen to it. I'm pretty sure every song you hear, it's four tracks. To the point where I think I just realized head doesn't have guitar on it because there's hand claps to go with the snares. Seth's bass, drum, and hand clap. It's four tracks over and over and over again. But it is the best bass playing, probably, of the Prince catalog. All the bass lines are so sexy. They're so good and they're so sexy. And it's just a kind of mind blowing tour de force what he is doing there uh, lyrically, which is to say it's kind of nasty. But that one might be the answer. Like, I think Love Sexy has gotten forgotten because "Love's Like Love Sexy is coming offside side of the times. Love Sexy is a little bit weird. Love Sexy was not the Black Album. Love Sexy is the one continuous track. Love Sexy also has a tour in love and I wish you have back to back. And I recognize that might not mean the same thing to you that it mean to me, but that mean a whole lot to me. I mean a whole lot. Yeah, like those two. Like I see somebody in the chat room talking about the Rainbow Children. Rainbow Children is cool, man. It's just really, really witness. You know, like if you're really just like if you are just listening to it and not paying any attention to what's going on lyrically, it's a pretty smooth ride. But if you're not really about that witness life, It is a, it can be a little difficult to rock with, but I mean, it sounds good. It does sound good. Appreciate that question. Let me see what we got here. Do you find that the reviews for the new Kanye album, good or bad, tend to be about his latest, more about his latest antics than the album itself? I have actually kind of intentionally avoided what anybody else had to say about this Kanye record. Um because I do think that we have reached the point that it is very difficult to have a discussion about Kanye's music that is not a discussion about Kanye. And that's where we get to the how do you separate the art from the artist. I do it all the fucking time, man. Like, I mean I, I don't I don't feel like this is such a kooky concept or do I feel like it is like indicative of some level of sociopathy i mean yo man you exist in this capitalism like if you got some nikes on your feet how are you separating the nikes from how the nikes are made you're not doing that that's not like this is just how it goes i'm sorry i've i've grown often artists are awful people we've talked about this before like yeah we all got lines that we draw right and sometimes you decide that you can't and that's fine like as i say r kelly i can't make a separation when it comes to r kelly but kanye just because he out here with some kooky politics yeah it's harmful to black people and everything else and he deserved to get checked you know by the homie van and all that stuff man all right whatever you know um but i've listened to that record now about three or four times It's just not good. Like in the end, it's just not good. I do not find it to be interesting. I think maybe the most interesting thing that I find about the album is that what I recall to be the most direct reaction to the aftermath of slavery is a choice is a song dedicated to his wife because his wife told him not to do anything that would mess up the money. And then he went and messed up the money. That's the lesson you learn from that. Like, really, that's that's what you came out of that with. Okay, Kanye. Okay. No, I just I just found it to be an uninteresting record. And I I found Yeezus to be uninteresting. But <sighs> Yeezus came from such an angry place from a guy who doesn't really do angry. Like that's not really the space that he traffics in when he's at his best. But it was a very furious sort of sound. And Kanye and someone I think it was Spencer who said this about Kanye. Kanye's ego without vulnerability is just an asshole. You know, and that's just kind of the feel that you that you come across with it. And so this is Kanye like trying to hold it together at a time where I think he's been very honest about some of his struggles. With his ability to hold it together. And his songs about his struggles to hold it together are not interesting. And that's the one thing that's unforgivable not being interesting. And so all this stuff that has surrounded the record and all the things that have surrounded him. And it's a record that I don't even feel compelled to talk about. And I enjoy talking about Kanye's music. Like I think his music is very interesting to discuss and it always has been in the arcs and the ups and downs, the catalog and everything else. And there's nothing interesting about this. There's nothing that really got my attention. And what I think really does him in on this is his belief that he is bigger than rap hamstrings this album. Because the beats on that Push T record are flames, and they are rap beats. They are rap beats. These are not really rap beats like he's rapping, but these don't feel like rap beats. And so I thought that coming up, the thing that I thought was interesting about the Pusher record was that all the talk about the cover and all the talk about Kanye and all the talk about Drake had somehow obscured the thing that would have gotten Kanye all the attention that he ever wanted is that we would have been paying attention to those beats and we would have been like, yo, I think Kanye back. But it's kind of good that we didn't do that because that's not the Kanye that we got on the beats. That's not what we got. We got stuff that's more in line with Pablo. And I think the stuff he did for push was better. I mean, here's the other thing about Kanye too, man. Kanye is still trying to be a rapper at 40 years old. And that's, I, I don't think that's as easy to do as it looks especially if you're not like a great rapper, which I don't think any of us believe Kanye is. I think Kanye is a very talented performer, but like just as a rapper, he's not a great rapper. And he seemed to be doing a lot more of his own writing on this record, which perhaps speaks to the fact that it's just not that interesting. And hey, man, I never begrudge Kanye to use the writers because Kanye was always so forthright about the fact that he used writers. His ambitions exceeded his talent and he reached out you get the people that can make his ambitions come true. You know, I never had a problem with him for that. But yeah, man, this stuff is not good. It's not good. Maybe he got some stuff that he could put out later that we don't know about right now, man, but this just ain't good. Simple as that. And you ain't got to be mad at Kanye to say that because I'm not really one of them people that's mad at Kanye, but you ain't got to be mad at Kanye to say that. It's just not an interesting record. All right. Appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. Congrats on the new show. It's dope. As you move into the end of your first week, is everything pretty much going according to plan? Ran any curveballs yet? Now, I mean,. There aren't really that many things that I think count as curveballs that are gonna come up with something like what we're doing. Like I guess we had a bit of a curveball today when uh the Brian Colangelo news dropped like eight minutes before the show started. But that's just gonna happen. Like tops are gonna come up and then we're gonna rock and go from there. But no, no, no. It's been I think it's gone relatively smoothly um, I haven't watched it that much or that critically like I think I watched one of the episodes and honestly that's because I just kind of wanted to like enjoy it you know um, like one thing I realized is that so like if you if you go back with me you know go back like 2010 or 2011 whatever it is like when the new things would happen like there was like a legitimate joy to the idea that these things had happened. And part of it is just, I think a newness effect of it. Right. But there's like a real, there was like a real joy to it. And to a degree, some of the stuff, I guess in a way it becomes, I don't know. Oh, hats the way to put it, but you kind of get used to doing some of these things. And like a lot of them get demystified, you know, like, like the first, like I remember the first time I talked to somebody that I thought was famous. that I looked at and considered to be a famous person. Um and just remarking how upon talking to them, they you know, like they're just regular, they're just people. You know, and that's no shade to them. But, you know, there's something about once that happens, it all gets demystified. And you know, you start doing all these things, man, and in the end they jobs and you realize that there really isn't that much of a difference between the radio show you did that was local versus the radio show that you do that is national. Like they all kind of feel the same. It isn't that much different. Uh, when I used to go shoot in the studio with Hayes and Chip and do the YouTube videos, than it is to be in a television studio. Like I used to sit on a computer in there and bang out scripts uh, to put in the teleprompter, like I do now. You know, like it, it, it all kind of normalizes in a way the more that you're exposed to it. But like, this was a good week, man. This is a good week. Like I kind of animated. Uh, this on Instagram I talked about it a little bit but this happened Like we ran through the show And you know I don't I don't know like I think some people don't believe it When we when I say this but I had absolutely Like no nervousness About Doing this like it's doing a TV show You know um, I do a lot of those And so we did the show And there was no stress before it there's no shakiness There's no You know sweaty palms or nothing like that You know, we'd done rehearsals, and like the good thing about doing rehearsals, like the habit is formed. So, like, I know what time I need to go to makeup. I know what time to get in the chair. I know what time, you know, so I can start running through these scripts so I can make sure I don't stumble over my words when we get on TV. You know, all that stuff. And then we did the show, and we got to the end, and like something happened on two levels that I did not expect. One was after it was done. Like the producers that are in the room and like the crew and stuff started clapping. And it was kind of at that moment that I realized something that I hadn't thought about, which was I had never done that before. Like I joined Highly Questionable, but that was, you know, that was a show that existed before I got there. You know, I had never been. Involved in a television project from the beginning, like from day one, that had never happened before. And then I just like exhaled. And then Pablo like came up behind me. And then I just, it just like, it was like, it all kind of hit at that moment. It was kind of overwhelming in a way. Because, hey, man, like, it was a, a year and a half or something like that between when this idea first came my way. And when we actually got it on the television and there was never a point where I thought it wasn't going to come on. Like those weren't the issues, it wasn't that sort of thing where it's like I, somebody with cold feet or nothing like that, that wasn't going to happen if for no other reason, then man, Hey, when I'm about to get them back, none of that money. Are you kidding me? I'll be preposterous. They, they gonna try to get their money's worth out of this. Like this may be a, like a colossal failure, but they're going to try to get their money's worth out of this. But anyway, um, there's a lot, man. And I did a lot of living in that year and a half. And a lot of things changed. And like, look, I moved here 11 months ago. And this is what I moved here to do. And so I kind of been on hold with all of that. And like, I just broke down, man. Like my brother was there, um, best friends. I was seven years old. He just happened to be in town for the weekend. And so he was there and, like, I smile about this shit, you know, um, and I'm not, I don't know, I don't know how much I'd done that about work stuff in a while, like, how much I'd been, in like, in a position to, like, just enjoy this, like, I haven't been doing this. At first, I really haven't been doing this overall for a long time, but I haven't been doing this for a long time. Like this is new. Like we got something that's going from the ground up. And I feel like we got something that's a bit different than what is currently out there. Like we'll ultimately see whether that difference is a good or bad thing. You know, like shows are evolving beasts. Like it's going to turn into different things. We're going to see what it is, but Hey man, we made it, you know, and like, I'm doing this with the homie, like me and Pablo, like we the, the show ends and we go to lunch, you know, and we laugh at stuff, you know, like I really like Dan, but I got a different relationship with Pablo. Like this is the homie in a lot of ways, you know, we come up in this together, fighting through some of the same things, you know, like, and we got this. And I think that we're a good fit for one another. And I think we got, you know, good people that are around us. And this is legitimately fun. Like We are legitimately having a good time doing this. Like every now and then you'll hear somebody laugh on the set. Ain't nobody faking, man. Like we're really just having a good time while we're there. And I am incredibly fortunate to have had enough things break right where uh i can do this i would also note in saying this um and this is an important note and i was thinking about this because my man kellen i saw him mention it and like when i really first started like doing the espn stuff you know like one thing i always felt like i was doing at that time and i think i still feel that way now but it, i talked about it more and it was more pronounced then because I was like such an outsider at that time, but you know, so I'm doing the Morning Jones, and this thing is rocking, and we all love it. And I'll never know how many people actually like listen to it. I've never really cared about numbers in that way, but you know, I made you know friends for life off that. You know, we we and, we, and a lot of us have done that. But it was like so, like I wind up going on around the horn. Yo, man, I'm going on around the horn. Like that ain't just me going on around the horn. That's all of us going on around the horn because the appeal of what we had going on with that was the relatability of it and the idea that what we were doing over there. And I say we, because it's not just me It's Corey, Sasha's the producers and everything, you know, and the listeners is everybody. But like the idea that what we were doing, we were getting a chance to experiment with it. Like on the big network, And I was really kicking it about the same as I was then. Like we all were there, you know, like, like we've all, a lot of us were like, yo, there's a certain type of content that we would like to see. And then that content happens. And then that content works. You know what I mean? Like at that point, we're all there. You know, and so it's like whenever I would wind up in one of those places, I always said it ain't just I'm the person that's here. We're there, you know. But that's a little different once you wind up getting to the big show, because the big show is a different animal, man. You know, like so many people who are watching it like there's some people that's coming specifically to watch for me. But it's a lot of people that's coming to watch it because it's the show and that's what they do. And so it can be hard to like maintain that sort of like personal connection to the people. Who listen to you and watch you and all that stuff like that? It can, I mean, just because this is done in a different way now, it's not meant to be the same. But at the same time, like, I like I, I'm on a TV show like that was built from the ground up with the idea that I would be on it. Like, a portion of this show is built around like me and what I do and the way that I do it, which is to say, Hey man, we got a TV show. Cause it's still we, but like it truly, it ultimately is still we. And I feel like in more recent times, I have probably not expressed that fact enough. And in not expressing that fact enough, I can say that I also have come to the conclusion that not expressing that fact enough, like negatively affects my own happiness about what this is, you know, cause you can get caught into politics and the hassles and everything else, but yo, it's still really wild that we got a TV show. Like, as a notion, as an idea. Like, yeah, I'm pretty talented, but there's a whole lot of talented people that ain't got TV shows. Like, it's wild that it worked out to where we're here. It's wild that it worked out that we got here. And you know what else it is? It's really, really dope. Like, it's worth smiling about. It is really, really dope. Although, I have to be honest. You want to know a big part of why I can smile so much about this? I'm almost done getting my grill fixed. Look at this. Yeah, we getting there. It was a long journey, long journey. Uh, I might put the video on Instagram that I took on a computer screen at the dentist's office that day with the, uh, where I started to uh, where we wound up. And I learned in the process of this man, if you have like, you got grill issues, you probably have developed some defense mechanisms to protect yourself and protect everyone else from your grill. Right. I mean, I'm speaking to you as someone who has been down this road. I'm not, I'm not judging you. I'm, I'm You know, safe space. Anyway, you do that, man. I was looking at the one uh, episode of the show, of the show that I've watched off the box. And I was like big old smiling and everything else. And I'm like, yeah, part of that is because I'm having a good time doing this television show. Another part of that is it no longer looks like somebody started busting out shots and my bottom row was trying to get to the exit. It kind of changes your whole steez and situation um, once you undergo some measure of grill repair. I also saw on the Twitter because I decided I ain't really doing too much back and forth with these haters. It's just not really good for my health at this point in my life. But anyway, somebody says something about how obviously I, uncomfortable I looked on the first episode because I was laughing so much. And they're like, I don't laugh that much. I'm like, damn, I feel like I've sold y'all a false bill of goods. If seeing me laugh makes you believe I'm being fake. And the other part. A lot of progress on this grill, a lot of progress on this grill. gonna get that get, I'm gonna get done with this. Get them things straight and get them things, uh, ding. The white, white. Ooh, boy, y'all ain't gonna be able to tell me shit, boy. All right, appreciate the question. Let me see what else we got here. How was your first Jack White show at Governor's Ball? Curiously, that is actually my second Jack White show at Governor's Ball. It's just the first time I actually got to see the set. It's a very long story for another day at a time. But he was good. Um like I'm not that well versed in his catalog or the White Stripes catalog, but he was good. His band was strong. Um, you know, he's a bit of a weirdo, but you know, you're allowed to be that in your life. But no, I enjoy I enjoyed myself at the Jack White show. I did have a moment at the Jack White show where I was walking, and look, man, it's governor's ball and I don't know like what to make of this point. I'm not saying who's doing it the right way or who's doing it the wrong way. I'm just telling you that between my people and our Caucasian brethren, there's one major difference. And I don't know how this applies to the other races, but I know that this is a difference between us and them. And it is like all this bumping into me and not even turning around or saying, excuse me. Now, I recognize that maybe this is the result of, like, drugs. You know what I'm saying? I get that. But you just can't be bumping into me, man. Like, just all the time. just all. You ain't got no shirt on. You know what I'm saying? It was just like I was getting real frustrated. Real, 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 real frustrated with that. And so, you know, I'm trying to make some moves around, you know, and get some places. And, you know, I'm dealing with, you know, you gonna just step on my feet and not turn around, man. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, finally, I get to a point, man, this dude is like playing the air guitar. And I'm trying to get around him. And I'm about like at my wits end at that point with all of this. You know what I'm saying? And so I like tapped him to say, excuse me. And then all he did was make the air guitar a little bit smaller. And so I was getting a little salty, and then I just slide past him by in a huff, and then the dude stopped. And I was thinking to myself, oh, it's going to be a problem? And he was like, yo, you're Bomani Jones. Man, he was so excited to see me because, like, the last place in the world that you think that dude's expecting to see me is at a Jack White show. You know? Like, that's the last thing that he thinks about to happen. Like, it all turned around completely at that moment. Cause I had reached a point where I myself was probably being a little bit unreasonable, but I got tired of all them people bumping into me and shit. Let me see. I got anything else. Nah, let me wrap this up. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on the evening Jones. We do this thing here about once a week or every couple weeks, somewhere in there. Hey, my man, Lance Gilliam handles everything behind the scenes. Thank you, sir. Remember if you cannot watch the evening Jones live, Check out the uh, podcast, subscribe to the iTunes store, subscribe at Stitcher Radio, check us out at SoundCloud. We are also at the Google Play Store. Have a good one. Talk to you soon.